Welcome to the Heroes of Brand Protection podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Brand Relations at Redpoints, the world's fastest growing brand protection solution with a mission to make the internet safer for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and industry insights from some of the leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeiting from many different industries. We are so happy you could join us today, and please check out all of our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward slash podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with Morel Benham-Garcia, Director of Brand Protection and Intellectual Property at WISH. Our guest as a young girl wanted to become Ben Matlock from the hit TV show, Matlock. For a long time, Morel was determined to become the greatest criminal defense attorney ever. It wasn't until she got into law school that she realized, well, I don't really have the passion for law school. Morel had learned about IP through an internship at a cool tech brand and decided to go get her MBA. And soon enough, she landed this great job at Wish. Hi, Morel. It's so nice to see you again. We are super excited to have you as our guest today. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. So one of the things we thought we'd do, Morale, to get to know you a little bit, maybe you tell us who your favorite cartoon character is because you've got, you know, young youngsters around the house. So who is your favorite cartoon character? So growing up, I've always loved Tweety Bird uh, and Marvin the Martian. Those two have always been my favorite cartoon characters. And luckily, we just recently watched the new Space Jam movie and those characters appeared and it just completely brought me back to my childhood. So um, it, it's it's great to see those characters uh, out and about again. <laughs> how, how did you like the new Space Jams? It was good. It was okay. Can you think about as you think through your career, and it doesn't have to be your current job, it could be in previous roles, but is there an experience you have that sort of, I don't know, I always think about it as the funniest or sort of unusual experience you've had in your career that, uh, you know, you tell a lot of stories about? Uh, yeah, there's uh, one particular instant that always comes to mind uh, in a former life. I was involved in a nonprofit organization um, conduct, as a reporter and conducting interviews. And I had the opportunity to interview Jake Gyllenhaal. And I was so nervous when I was about to interview him that when I brought my microphone up to his face to have him answer the question that I just asked, I bonked him in the nose. And it just you know, everybody started laughing. I was mortified. I just, I could not concentrate. All I could think of is I just hit Jake Gyllenhaal in the face with my microphone. This is horrible. Um, and he was such a great uh, sport about it. He laughed it off and it was just, uh, it really was a nice icebreaker, but I, I, I was mortified. <laughs> that is a good icebreaker. I was thinking about that. We asked you a cartoon question. I like yours better. It's sort of bunking mm -hmm. someone in the nose. <laughs> With the microphone as an icebreaker, that that'll surely do it. So that's funny. That that will do it. Yes, it sure will. <laughs> so, Morale, what what did you want to be when you grew up? I spent my entire uh, adolescence thinking I was going to grow up to be Matlock. Uh, I always knew that I wanted to practice law in a way, um, but I always wanted to be a criminal defense attorney because I thought that Matlock was this amazing criminal defense attorney who just solved crime and solved all 
uh, these unique cases um, by these, you know, ideas that came up. And I would walk through a courthouse with the the swinging, um, you know, little door that goes between the the council and the audience. And I was just fascinated by that. And uh, my entire life, I thought I was going to become a criminal defense attorney. That's a great story, Matlock. There are probably not as many of us who remember Matlock as there's people who've never heard of Matlock. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I swear I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good show. I like Matlock myself. It was. So what made you change your gears? How did you decide on this profession? Well, it's interesting because I didn't really understand growing up that there's more to law than simply just, you know, criminal being a criminal defense attorney. And um, once I uh, embarked on the, my legal journey, I realized that there's so much more uh, out there. I, I never even knew what intellectual property was. I didn't know about all the different areas of law that uh, one can practice. And once I started law school, I actually started liking law a lot less. <laughs> Um, and, um, I took a hiatus from law school, um, but kept an internship and one day trademarks just fell into my lap and I didn't realize how much I loved working with brands and branding. And I really should have been a marketer. Um, but I just kind of came across a brand protection and just intellectual property as a whole. And it literally is just one of those things that just fell into my lap and, uh, the light bulb went on. The light bulb went on. Yep. I found my passion. <laughs> Very good. So maybe tell us a little bit about how, how your journey worked, you know, from your where you went to school uh, and, you know, how you navigated your first job and sort of broke your way into this industry. Sure. I um, I'm a graduate of UC Davis uh, here in California. Um, and I, I went to law school for a little bit, realizing it not necessarily it wasn't that it wasn't my thing. It was just I needed to take a break due to a family emergency. And during that time, I uh, went to work for the evil corporate empire, which I thought I would never see myself into. I always saw myself having my own practice or working at a law firm. Uh, I decided to uh, do an internship at a, a corporation. I started off at Boston Scientific, and shortly after, I went into uh, I did an internship at Plantronics uh, in Santa Cruz, California, and they were one of the oldest companies around. And they um, it really opened my eyes to the corporate world. I thought it was amazing to be in house. I actually was really fascinated by the in house culture of uh, legal culture versus uh, working at a law firm and. That's when I decided to pursue getting my MBA and pursuing more of a business um, opportunities versus legal opportunities. And I, I continued that path until um, I landed here. <laughs> That's awesome, Morel. Maybe a sentence or two uh, for all of us to describe WISH. For those of us who may not know exactly what WISH is, share with us how many offices you have uh, and so forth. Sure. Um, so Wish is one of the largest and fastest growing uh, global e-commerce platforms. Um, it, they really provide an innovative shopping experience to millions of users from across, around the world. Um, one of the things that we do is we connect consumers to about a half a million merchants that, and all we do is we allow them to sell, uh, I'm sorry, purchase retail goods. Um, we are located in San Francisco and we have just a few offices around the world. We have one in China and Toronto, Amsterdam. So we are, we do have a global presence. 
And uh, is there when when I, when I think of which sometimes I see you know in all marketplaces, but I think on uh, is there a, is there an item that you think is like the craziest thing in your wish history that you've seen listed? I don't know if it's an expensive item, a crazy item. Is there something like that where you look? I've I've seen some pretty crazy items. Um, I probably <laughs> won't comment on <laughs> what crazy items I have seen, um, but I will talk about a crazy item that I've purchased myself, which is a tortilla burrito blanket Um, so when you're nice and wrapped up you yourself look like a little burrito with your head popping out um to me that's a pretty crazy item that i have purchased um but yes and you wrap your kids in them uh, i do not wrap my kids in them i get more of a kick out of wrapping myself in it and letting them (laughs) uh, get a kick out of it yeah great and 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 when you think back uh on your career uh you know, including Wish and the previous companies, as you mentioned, uh, is there anything that, you know, was sort of a difficult uh, situation? Um, and then, you know, what was that and how did you, you know, resolve it? Um, you know, I think being in brand protection, there's a lot of difficult situations that we embark on. Um, I think in general, especially coming at from a marketplace, uh, you know, we have a lot of challenges and that's just with the sheer volume of counterfeits and IP uh, problems that exist on not only our platform, but in general in the marketplace. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why brand protection has taken off and it's become such a large industry uh, problem um, is because of just specifically the sheer volume. Yeah. And and I suppose really, as we move forward to tomorrow, it isn't going to get any less, right? It's going to get probably more significant. It is. um, It is. And, And I think one of the the reasons is the way that we combat counterfeiting. Um, I think one of the challenges that I see is we don't, not we, but in general in the industry, we tend to focus on um, hitting platforms or hitting uh, the, hitting it by getting, you know, removing it from the marketplaces and trying to make it purchasable. Where I think that if we combated it from the source and we tried to get it from a manufacturer's and try to shut down the operations um, where it exists, I think we would have a more success in being able to tackle the problem. Um, otherwise, we're playing what the industry calls whack-a-mole. Sure. And it just feels like as soon as we take something down or as soon as we are able to target those problematic listings, another one appears, um, whether it's on our platform or other platforms or other retail sites, um, this game of whack-a-mole just doesn't seem to end. Um, and so I, I find that to be one of the biggest challenges and Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Yes, I, I think that uh, I think there are a lot of people like yourself thinking about you know sort of bigger and broader strokes to solve this problem. And I think down the road, you know, I think many brands and you know platforms like yourself, I think it it, it will take a collaborative effort, right? I don't think a brand can solve it on its own. I don't think a platform can solve it on its own. But I do think as people begin to work a little more closely together you know, there'll be new solutions uh, for this, you know, current problem for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Morale, as you have the opportunity to talk with brands, which I'm sure you do, whether it's large brands, small brands, is there a particular advice that you uh, provide or, uh, or give them as you're speaking to them? Yes. I think the number one advice that I would give brands is to partner with us. I think partnerships are extremely important And for us, um, we are in the same boat as the brands are. We are trying to target and combat the same exact problems that brands are trying to combat. And if we work together, 
and we solve this in a collaborative fashion, it helps us achieve a common goal, which is to get rid of these counterfeitings as a whole. One of the things that I think brands don't realize is there are hundreds of thousands of brands out there in the world, and we are not familiar with your brand. And so in order for us to become familiar as a platform with your brand, we need partnership, we need collaboration, we need training, um, we need you to approach us as your partner rather than as the evil enemy of being an e-commerce marketplace platform. I agree. And I think as we as we think about the future in this space, as, as mentioned before, but I, I agree with you 100% that there has to be a collaboration. There, there isn't one one of us that can solve it on, on their own. So I, I love that answer. Um, throughout your time at Wish, uh, you've clearly implemented, and I'm assuming you, but I'm sure it's your team, but you've implemented a lot of good uh, upgrades and uh, and things to help brands tackle counterfeits. Are there any sort of new projects that you're working on that you can share? Anything, uh, 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 some of the successes of the projects that you've created that you'd want to share that have been really successful or, or anything like that? You know, we continue to want to grow our brand partner program. And as I mentioned, partnerships is extremely important to us. And one of the things that we do is we really take feedback from our partners and from the brands to be able to continuously better enhance our programs. Um, so it's a continuous effort to take uh, some of the existing projects that we have and continue to provide a good experience um, for the brands in their notice and takedowns and their reporting. And we really want to ensure that, again, we value our the partnerships and their utilizing our technology and utilizing our programs that we've built specifically for the brands uh, to be able to combat any type of brand protection issues. Um, we continue to seek feedback and we continue to utilize that feedback to also better enhance our, our projects. That's, that's great. And, and I think you do have a great, you know, brand partner program. I think it's one of the things that people uh, speak to us about and that they feel that it is a really top quality, you know, best in class program. So appreciate you guys continuing to, to make that uh, feature better each year as you, as you progress. Thank you. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Um, maybe uh, your thoughts on the challenges of, I don't know, the future of brand protection. Do you have some sort of thought process on, you know, what tomorrow brings or doesn't bring as it relates to the world of brand protection? I think, um, you know, as, as we've seen over the last year and a half, online shopping and, you know, online experiences are just becoming um, more and more utilized. And with that said, we're going to continue to see an increase in online um, challenges such as, you know, continued counterfeiting. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it's really important that we tackle this from the source versus tackling it at the front or else we'll continue to uh, grow um, the whack-a-mole frustrations that we all seem to feel both from the platform end and also from the brand end. Um, you know, the challenges are only going to increase as online shopping um, becomes the new norm. That's for sure. And I think you're spot on as to what it will continue to take to to make you know good inroads in this space, because I think more and more people are coming to e-commerce, right? I think the COVID forced 
you know, new buyers that may not have been e-commerce buyers into the space during the COVID environment. And I think many of them are going to, you know, like what they experience, you know, the speed of delivery, things worked well, and there are more shoppers online today, right? Because of that experience or because of that circumstance, I should say, but uh, totally agree. Uh, When you think about, I don't know if there are, you think about this, but as there are, are myths in, you know, when people think about brand protection as it relates to your platform or your industry, is there a myth we should debunk? I think so. I think a common misconception um, is that, you know, e-commerce platforms such as Wish is supporting um, anti-brand protection efforts. They're supporting the counterfeiting. They're supporting the infringement, which is far from the truth. Um, I think it's important for folks to realize that we are in the same position as brands are, where we have a lot of challenges that we face when brand protection efforts, and we try really hard to combat counterfeiting. Um, We uh, do not support it whatsoever, and we work diligently to ensure that um, brands are protected. Um, But once again, we really heavily rely on that partnership in order for us to work together to combat um, counterfeiting for your particular brand. Very well said, uh, Morel. I think that should help. I think there are a lot of people out there who think about uh, that we should be partnering more together and uh, very much appreciate that. So in our last podcast, we spoke with Benjamin Okeke, Senior Corporate Counsel at Amazon. And I don't know if you know him or not, but either way, he had asked you a question what superpower would help you do your job better? Well, yes, I do know Ben, and it's nice to hear from him. Hi, Ben, if you're listening. Um, if I had a superpower to help me do my job better, it would be to freeze time. Uh, I would uh, love to be able to just put my fingers together and just freeze what I'm doing. Um, I, I'm i a, a mom of three, I and one being a newborn, uh, there just does not seem to be enough time in the day to get things done. And um, especially when it comes to how busy we are in the brand protection space. And if we had the opportunity, or if I had the opportunity to freeze time just to be able to um, combat everything that I'm doing, I would be a very happy person. That's a, that's a great superpower. I think that, I think there are a lot of people who would want to choose your superpower of freezing time. Uh, what advice would you give to a, um, I don't know, young person, maybe wanting to pursue a career path similar to yours? Is there some sort of advice you would, uh, share with a a person? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think anybody ever thinks, uh, growing up that they want to get into brand protection. Um, and so if I were to give any advice to any, um, anyone, it would be don't, uh, necessarily close doors to what opportunities that you that may appear. Um, and, and, you know, brand protection is very new. I think historically, uh, you never would hear brand protection growing up. I know I certainly didn't, especially in my college days. I, I think, you know, practicing law um, was something, but I never really realized that there's so many different areas of law. And so I think it's important to be open-minded. And I think it's important not to be so um, set in your career trajectory and you need to you need to just be flexible and if something were to cross your path I think it's really important to explore it um, I did that and I'm here uh, and I'm loving it and I, I actually love the world of brand protection and if you were to ask me you know 20 years ago if where I would be I would have never in a million years thought that I would be 
um, practicing brand protection, you know, probably for the rest of my life, I would probably tell you that I would, I'm going to pursue criminal defense. And um, that is just not something that I, I did. And I'm happy that I didn't go that route. Um, I, I think it's very important for people to be open minded and people to be flexible, and to allow their career to uh, sway in a different direction. Yeah, great advice. Uh, I think that uh, for young people, sometimes who get laser focused on what they want to do, there are people who are great at at doing that and following their career path. But I think for many or for most, uh, le- letting things happen, right, or being open, as you said, let the doors open and see what happens. Really great, great advice for all people, uh, young and early in their careers. That's a great, great thought. Thank you. Is there anyone who inspired you throughout your career? Is there someone that you think about a lot who really helped you think about what to do? Um, I do have, I, I have a, many inspirational mentors, both past and present, um, that I've come across um, during my career. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint one particular person or to call out one particular person. I've been fortunate enough to have many greats. Um, but I think um, one thing that I've learned from my mentors, if I'd like to, to share, is never stop learning and always continue to grow and to never think that you're at the top. Uh, always, always open, you know, try to seek more. Um, and my mentors have always pushed me. Um, and I think it's really important to push yourself. Agreed. Agreed. That is good, good sage advice for, again, for everyone. And morale, maybe following you, person following you in our next podcast, uh, what would you like to ask him? I would like to know, how would you define success? Um, how he defines success? Great. Maybe uh, I can ask you, what, what is your definition? How do you see success? Um, my definition of success, I think, is happiness. I think uh, you have to love what you do. And that's the only way that you can be successful. Um, I think success is only defined by how you measure happiness. I love that. I love that. I love that. I have one last thing for you. It's our uh, four questions in 15 seconds, our speed round. Uh-oh. So if I can ask you these four questions, ready? Okay. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite music band or singer? Oh, I'm embarrassed to say this, but New Kids on the Block all the way. <laughs> favorite book? Um, A Time to Kill by John Grisham. If you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, which food would it be? Ooh, that would have to be ravioli. And what is your go-to resource regarding brand protection? What's the one thing you look or read or to, to check up on brand protection? Um, I subscribe to Law 360, and they have a lot of great articles about recent case law and rulings. So I kind of use that as my resource um, for staying up with brand protection trends. Thank you, Morel. That's awesome. Thank you for your time today. We love learning about your story and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Daniel. It was very interesting to learn about your journey, Morel, and your insights in the brand protection space. I have a few key takeaways that really resonated to me, and I wanted to share them with everyone. Point number one, an advice for brands, partner with Wish. According to Morel, brands and Wish are in the same boat, fighting counterfeits. She encourages us all to approach her as a partner instead of the devil or the enemies. Point number two, in the industry, we tend to focus on removing counterfeits from platforms. 
Morel, however, believes we should focus on attacking the source of the problem. Otherwise, we are going to play a whack-a-mole game on a loop. And lastly, point number three. Don't close doors to opportunities that may appear. Being flexible is crucial, and in some cases, good things will come your way. Be open-minded as you can. That's it for us today. If you liked what you heard, check out our next inspiring personal story from another hero of brand protection. You can follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Twitter and LinkedIn. Make it a good day. 